Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Epic Realms Action Adventure Collection. You are about to hear the next episode of Bullet Catcher. Emma's adventure has taken a very unexpected turn, and she is understandably reeling from the shock. If I found out that my dead brother wasn't actually dead, whoa, um, I think shock is just the beginning of how I would feel. Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening, and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. So, are you ready to dive back into the story? You've got your bottle of water handy? Awesome, because it's time to catch up with Emma and the bullet catcher as they drag Emma's not-so-dead brother Nico through the desert to demand some answers. One. The reunion only lasts a moment. Then Nico's head cocks forward violently. He staggers and collapses. The bullet catcher rises behind him, his arm wrapped around his midsection, a rock in his hand. I'm too stunned to move. Nico's alive. And not only alive, but here. Right here on the outskirts of this far-flung Southland town. This all feels like the sudden conclusion to a long, drawn-out family feud. My brother fighting with our father. And then I remember that the bullet catcher isn't our father. You lied to me. The words drift from my mouth like smoke. The bullet catcher doesn't hear me. He picks up my brother's gun. The moon comes out from behind the clouds, casting everything in silver light. The bullet catcher stands over Nico, his eyes gleaming in the moonlight, dark and murderous. He pulls back the hammer with a terrible click. I grab his arm and yank it away from its target. The gun goes off, sending a bullet safely into the ground. You lied to me. The bullet catcher turns and looks me up and down, like he's trying to remember my name. Damn it, cub, he says. You don't know what he's done. I know he's my brother. I know you lied. You told me a gunslinger killed him. Whatever he's done, I forgive him. The bullet catcher grabs me by the front of my shirt. He pulls me close so I have to stand on my toes. His other hand grips the gun so tight, his fingers are white and bloodless. Tell that to Cass, he barks. 
tell that to the handful of us left alive after he helped the gunslingers track us down. I have no words. At this moment, for the first time in a long time, I'm afraid of the bullet catcher. He holds my stare, but then all at once, the murder seems to leave him. He looks lost. He looks old. He lets me go and turns his back on me. He spits on the ground and tucks the gun into his waistband. The wind whistles through the flowers. Music rattles from town. I look at Nico in the moonlight. He is just how I remembered him, but with a new hardness to his features, stubble on his cheeks. He has that same desperate skinniness, those same dark eyes as when I last saw him. His shoulders are narrow, like mine. His face, with his high, prominent cheekbones and large almond eyes, is pretty rather than handsome. His hair shines black in the moonlight. He wears the dark clothes of a gunslinger and a black glove on his right hand. I crouch on a knee and run my thumb over the roughness of his cheek through the blood. He's not a mirage. He's alive. He's right here. Shouting comes from the direction of the bruise. Orange torch flames add themselves to the green lamps of the town. The bullet catcher's eyes sharpen. Fetch your horse, he says. What about Nico? He comes with us. He throws Nico's guns and bandoliers into the flowers. Nico's horse chews the grass, disinterested. The bullet catcher lifts Nico and balances him on the back of the horse. Then he swings up into the saddle and lets out a whistle. The horse I stole comes to us like an old friend. Later, we will argue. Now, we ride. The lights of the bruise fade into the distance and disappear behind the tall dunes, but we don't slow down, nor are we heading back to our mountain. We've been galloping at full speed for maybe an hour. The moon has retreated again, and the night is black and starless. The bully catcher slows and motions for me to move alongside him. Do you hear it? He yells over the sound of our horses. Hear what? Prick your ears! I tune out the sound of our horses, their hooves, their dry, tired breathing, the pulse of my horse's heart through the saddle. And then I hear it, a distant sound growing louder. More horses. They're gaining on us. What will we do? There is a place half an hour's full gallop from here. An old hideout. It's risky. Is there nowhere else? Only one road lies before us. We will see what happens. He whips his reins and takes off like a bullet. We weave through the dunes. Ahead, a tall plateau rises up from the desert. The ground levels out and turns hard-packed. It looks impassable, but the bullet catcher doesn't slow. He digs his heel into the horse's side, driving it harder. The sound of the gunslinger's horses is loud in my ears, and when I look back over my shoulder, 
a line of specks, a deeper shade of black than night, bobs along the horizon. When we're nearly at the base of the plateau, a black wall rising out of a black night, the bullet catcher pulls his horse sharply and rides alongside the rock face. We ride against the wall and now I can hear the gunslinger's voices yelling after us. The bullet catcher's eyes are fixed on the wall, like he's expecting it to magically open up to us at any moment. Suddenly, he pulls the reins to the right and dives his horse into a thin fissure that I don't see until I've galloped past it. Hell! I scream and pull my horse around to double back. The sound of the bullet catcher's horse galloping on the stone floor echoes off the narrow walls. I am not so far behind. There are sharp turns in the passage, and though I yank hard on my horse's reins, I can't get her to turn quick enough. I turn late and my legs scrape against the walls of the canyon. They're made of soft shale that breaks away easily. Still, it hurts like hellfire. I take another turn late and the walls rip the saddlebags from the horse. Holding tighter, I lean forward over her neck so that I can hear her breathing, short and quick and exhausted. Behind me, the sound of hooves is closer than ever. The gunslingers must know about the passage, too. The passage widens into a kind of road. On either side, cut high up into the rock walls, is what looks like a town. The fronts of houses and shops are carved into the rock, with windows and passages and old, rotting wooden rope bridges spanning the gap between the two sides. As I round a corner, I'm met by the bullet catcher, who has stopped in the middle of the path. I pull so hard on the horse's reins, I fear I'll break her neck. She digs in her hooves and nearly throws me off. Behind us, the sound of horses is deafening. The bullet catcher jumps down from his horse, puts Nico over his shoulder, and slaps the horse on the back, sending it galloping away. Then he disappears into a passage, cut into the side of the rock, the ceiling so low that he has to duck to enter. I jump down and say a quick goodbye to my horse as she takes off after the bullet catchers. The passage, pitch black, twists and turns. Up ahead, the orange glow of a torch springs to life. The bullet catcher's voice echoes down the hallway. Don't fall behind. This is no natural path. The walls and floor and ceiling are squared and scarred with countless chisel marks. The passage leads to a stone staircase that winds up into the plateau. Nearly there, comes the bullet catcher's voice. Down another hallway now. It runs parallel to the fissure that bifurcates the plateau. The passage is lined with alcoves and stone rooms. Here, the bullet catcher calls to me as he disappears through a doorway. It's a simple, box-like room, carved completely of stone. A stone bench lines one wall, and the bullet catcher sets Nico down on it. The bullet catcher collapses onto the bench, too. The gun is back in his hand, resting on his lap. He's breathing hard. We are high up in the wall. Moonlight shines in through the empty window. A doorway leads to an unsafe-looking rope bridge. Down below, the sound of the gunslinger's horses grows louder. The bullet catcher and I risk a look. The air is filled with dust from the stampeding horses. 
the pebbles at our feet vibrate. The gunslingers appear, riding single file at breakneck speed. They ride through the narrow canyon like bullets through a barrel. Then they're gone, the sound receding down the tight canyon pass. When the only sound is the low ringing in my ears, and the only signs of the gunslingers are the imprints of hooves in the dust of the canyon floor, I finally let out my breath. The bullet catcher's face is ashen. Then I remember the shock of watching him get shot by Nico. His arm is wrapped around his midsection. The blood on his fingers, his blood, is thick and brown. Let me look at that, I say, reaching out a hand. He recoils, his eyes gleaming like an animal's. Then he relaxes. Thank you, cub, he says, but I can do it myself. He strips his coat, unbuttons his shirt, and pulls off his undershirt, drenched in blood. When he sees my eyes go wide, he says, It is not as bad as it looks. The body has a lot of blood. We do not need every drop. The bullet catcher tears his undershirt into long strips to use as a field dressing and produces a small med kit he always carries. Nico lies on the cool stone bench, breathing soundly as though in sleep. A large bump has developed on the back of his head, ruining his perfectly kempt black hair. I dampen a cloth and wipe the dirt and blood from his face. That face that is so much like mine. That face that I haven't seen in years. Now I take out my own kit and clean the cut on Nico's cheek made by my bullet graze, and sew the shallow wound closed. Suddenly, anger wells up within me. You knew that bullet was my brother. I did, the bullet catcher says through gritted teeth as he threads the curved needle through his flesh. And you brought me with you to kill him. More likely, he would have killed me. You know what I mean. The bullet catcher stops for a moment and looks at me. The needle trembles in his fingers. I squeeze my eyes closed to hold back tears. The bullet catcher sighs painfully, tightens and ties the thread and cuts it. He pours clean water over his bloodied side and wraps himself with the dressings made from his torn shirt. He's pale, pouring sweat. You told me my brother was dead. He's dead to me. But not to me, I yell. Keep your voice down, he says. They're bound to double back. Nico groans and stirs. He sits up slowly, blinking, holding his head, looking dazed. He touches his cheek and runs a finger along the railroad of stitches. Nico... I start, but I don't know what to say after all these years. I want to ask him where he's been, what's happened to him, how he became a gunslinger, why he didn't come back for me. But all of these things get knotted in my throat, and all I get out is his name. Emma, he says, his face forming into a brilliant, uncontainable smile. I can't help myself. I wrap my arms around him. 
I missed you every day, he says, kissing the top of my head. If this is a dream, I don't want to wake up. The bullet catcher clears his throat loudly. Move away from him, cub. I look over and he's got his gun trained on Nico. You wouldn't. Not now. You know I would. Reluctantly, I pull myself away from him. Nico takes out a small pouch, pinches some tobacco, and sprinkles it onto a strip of yellowed paper. He rolls it, licks it closed, and offers it to me. I don't smoke. He smiles again. Good. It's a bad habit. He takes out a box of matches and lights the cigarette. He draws a deep lungful of smoke and exhales zeros, just like the bullet catcher. No one talks. Not because there's nothing to say, but because there's too much. Especially for someone as tight-lipped as the bullet catcher. And what about Nico? Is he a big talker, or is he quiet, too? I know so little about him. I want it to be as easy as falling back into how we were when we were younger. When he would stomp around the yard of the orphanage with his chin up, and I would follow right behind, holding his hand. But that was a long time ago. I'm the first to break the silence. Where have you been all this time? You mean, why didn't I come back for you? Did you ever intend to come back for me? He's a liar, cub, the bullet catcher intervenes. I have grown used to, even fond of, the bullet catcher's name for me. But in front of my brother, it makes my cheeks burn. So are you, I snap. Silence falls over us again. This time, it's Nico who breaks it. I always meant to come back for you, he says. I want to believe him, but I don't. Not quite. I feel foolish. Then why didn't you? He lowers his eyes and says nothing. It's late, the bullet catcher says. He stands and motions with the end of his pistol for Nico to do the same. He has a few strips of his torn shirt in his hand. He tosses them to me as he says, Tie him up, wrists and ankles. I hold the strips in my hand. They're stained with the bullet catcher's blood. There's a tense moment in which I'm not sure any of us know what I'm going to do. But then I do what I'm told, and Nico doesn't object. We can't risk a fire, so we suffer through a few cold hours on the stone floor. I'm not sure if the bullet catcher sleeps at all. This episode of Epic is brought to you by Wildgrain. I want you to take a moment and imagine the smell of fresh-baked sourdough bread filling your house. Or maybe it's croissants, if that's more to your liking. Now, What if I told you that you could get this delicious experience without covering yourself in flour and without leaving your house? Well, you can if you order from Wild Grain. What's Wild Grain? Well, it is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box. You get sourdough breads, fresh pastas, 
and pastries that go from your freezer to your oven and ready to serve in 25 minutes or less. I just got my first box and it had three different sourdough loaves, biscuits, croissants, and two different kinds of pasta. I made the orange cranberry biscuits right away and I cannot tell you how wonderful my house smelled and they tasted even better. Scallops and Wild Grains Fresh Fettuccine is on the menu for this week, and I plan to pair it with the olive oil ciabatta loaf. <sighs> Doesn't that sound so good? If you're a carb lover like me, and you want good carbs, free of preservatives and artificial colors and flavors, then you'll want to get a subscription right away. And now you can fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com epic to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com epic. That's wildgrain.com slash E-P-I-C. Or you can use promo code EPIC at checkout. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Two. I startle from a nightmare and into the blunt darkness of early morning. I reach out for Nico's hand, and when I find it, I hold tight. He's still here, not a ghost flesh and blood. The bullet catcher is slumped against the wall beside the empty window, guarding against any gunslingers who might try to sneak up on us. The gun is still in his hand. His bandages are stained dark brown, but it looks like the bleeding has stopped. His face is waxen and exhausted looking. I go over and sit by him. Are they out there? Don't see them, but they're there. Why don't you step into the light, old man? That might settle things real quick. Nico pushes himself up to a sitting position. With his tied hands, he struggles into his pocket for his cigarettes and matches. He manages it pretty quickly as though he's done it before. Don't be cruel, Nico. He could have killed you and didn't. I have a feeling that was more up to you than him. Nico leans back against the wall, trying to get comfortable. He smokes. The bullet catcher peers cautiously out the window. I rest my chin in my hands and close my eyes. So tired I feel ready to fall right back asleep. Do you remember mom and dad? The question catches me off guard. A little, I suppose. I remember them pretty good. 
How about mud angels? Remember that? I must look at Nico cockeyed because all of a sudden he bursts out laughing. I can't believe you don't remember. It was one farming season out on the homestead. It hadn't rained in months. Dad was pretty grim about it. The field where he grew... God, what did he grow? Beans. He had bean plants. You do remember. A little, I said. Anyway, the plants were just about dead, and you were just a sprout. I can't even remember how old, but you had just started putting sentences together. You told Dad not to worry, that you knew it was going to rain. And sure enough, it did. And Dad, super serious Dad, went out into the rain and made mud angels on the ground. And we all went out there with him. You, me, and Mom. We all made mud angels with him. You really don't remember that? I think about the bully catcher's mountain, the snow, and how I'd wanted to make snow angels. I remember lying out in the mud while it rained with my mouth open to catch the water. A little, I think. Nico smiles, leans his head back against the wall and closes his eyes. Good times, he says. It's odd to think that there were some good days sprinkled into my past. Alone, I tend only to think of the bad times. But Nico's right. Those were the good times. They loved us, he says, right up till the end. I feel like I used to know that. But it's been so long, I guess I'd forgotten. Or maybe I was too young to remember for sure. But I wasn't. He says, I remember. That's enough talking for now, the bullet catcher says. He stands and grimaces at the pain in his side. He presses himself close to the wall and peeks out the doorway, where the rope bridge extends to the far side of the cliff face. Whatever he's angling to see, he must not see it, because after a few seconds he grumbles and steps out to the edge of the bridge. In a low voice, Nico says... I think it would kill mom and dad to see us like this. What are you saying? He smiles and drops his voice even lower. I'm saying, come with me. I swallow hard and hold his gaze. And then the words come out almost automatically, without my meaning to say them. What about the bullet catcher? I won't let anything happen to him. I know how much he means to you. There's a pop from somewhere low in the canyon, and a chunk of the wall by the bullet catcher's head explodes into dust. Then the canyon floor erupts into gunfire. I jump to my feet and draw my pistol. The bullet catcher hangs half out the doorway, raining the bullets back down on the gunslingers like lightning bolts. He retreats through the doorway, catching me as I try to run past with my gun ready. There's too many, he says. And now I can hear the gunslinger's heavy boots scrambling in the dirt below. Everything falls silent, and I figure they must have retreated or gone back to hiding. But then come the sounds of them running through the halls, the clunk of their boot heels echoing off the cold stone. What now? I can't keep the panic from my voice. This place is a maze. We have some time. Not much, old man and the bullet catcher's face tells me he knows it. 
The bandages are wet with fresh blood. His stitches must have popped. His face is squeezed in pain. He looks out the doorway at the rickety rope bridge swaying in the breeze blowing through the canyon. There's only one way out, he says. I take one look at the bridge and then turn back to him. That's crazy. There's no way it holds. And I guarantee some of my men are just waiting for you to try something crazy like that. Then we'll bargain, he says. You'll tell them to let us go, or we'll kill you. You wouldn't. I grab the bullet catcher's shirt and look into his eyes. The bullet catcher first looks at my hands where I hold on to him. Then he scans up to my face. Let me go, he says flatly. And I do, suddenly frightened of him. I won't let you. He looks from me to Nico, and then back to me. The three of us hold our breaths. Then the bullet catcher leaps at me. He grabs a gun from my hand and pushes me away. The bullet catcher aims the gun at Nico, and for a few moments we stand there, the three points of a standoff. The bullet catcher advances slowly on Nico. Nico shuffles back until he comes to the wall. He presses himself against it like he's trying to dissolve into the rock. His eyes are trained on the end of the pistol. I run to Nico and wrap my arms around him, putting myself between him and the bullet catcher. The sounds of the gunslingers are loud now, shaking the dust from the ancient room. Move, cub, the bullet catcher says. Don't call me that. I turn to look at him, trying to make myself tall to protect Nico. When we were small, I was always the one hiding behind him, and he always protected me. Now it's my chance to return the favor. I just never thought I would be protecting him from the bullet catcher. You'll have to kill me. The bullet catcher lowers his gun ever so slightly. He just stares at me. He doesn't look betrayed or angry. His eyes shine, catching the light coming from the canyon. The noise is deafening now. A gunslinger barrels into the room, gun drawn, but he's not as fast as the bullet catcher, who picks him off with a hip shot. The man falls to the ground in a heap, dead. And the bullet catcher is running, his long coat catching the wind as he leaps out the door and onto the bridge. It strains and rattles as he flies across it, but he makes it and disappears into the blackness of the doorway on the far side. A moment later, the rest of the gunslingers pile into the room, nearly tripping over one another. There's a loud noise from the cavern, and I turn just in time to watch the rope bridge collapse and fall to the earth below. He made it. He's gone. A gunslinger comes over and cuts Nico's bindings. Nico's arms are suddenly around me, holding me close. I turn back to him and rest my head against his chest. His heart is racing fast. He holds my head in his arms. Should we give him chase, Bullet? One of the gunslingers says, between deep gasps for breath. Nico looks down at me and smiles. Let him go, he says. Let him run. A few minutes later, we emerge from the dark, cool passage back onto the cavern floor, blistering with light and heat. A gunslinger walks down the path to meet us, leading Nico's horse and the one I stole by the reins. 
And when I extend my hand to my horse and make a few clicking sounds, she comes to me. I press my head against hers and pet her. Have I done the right thing? I whisper into her broad face. Nico swings his leg over the saddle of his horse. When he sees me hanging back, he trots over and says, Are you okay? You look a little green. I look up at him, at his black eyes and dark hair flecked with brown, at the cut on his cheek that's bleeding anew. Just a day ago, I thought all those parts of him were dead and gone. His hair dry straw, his eyes empty caverns, his blood evaporated by the desert. And then I think of the bullet catcher, back in the bruise. He would have killed my brother, even though he knew what it would do to me. I think all this, and I know I've made the right decision. I try to smile, but I can't manage it. I'm fine, I say. His smile brightens. Emma, you're going to be a great gunslinger. Who said anything about me becoming a gunslinger? Nico's horse wrestles with the bit in its mouth. It trots circles in the dirt. Nico pulls the reins, calming him. I did, he says. It's in your blood, Emma. One day you'll be a great gunslinger, like I am, like Dad was. I don't know what to say, and I must look shocked because Nico laughs. Now, let's ride. I'll tell you everything when we get home. He kicks his horse and they shoot off down the canyon. I watch him round the bend and raise my eyes to squint at the sharp canyon edge and the brutish blue sky beyond before mounting my horse and following. Emma is really going through it, isn't she? In less than a year, her entire life has changed and everything she thought she knew has been totally uprooted. It's like 2020 all over again. I know the tension is high and we're leaving you hanging just a little bit, but don't worry, I'll be back soon with episode seven and the next stage in Emma's adventure. Until then. You're listening to Epic, Bullet Catcher. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Bullet Catcher is written by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Lydia Shama. 
and executive produced by Julian Yap and Molly Barton. Performed by Inez Del Castillo. Audio produced, directed, and designed by Amanda Rose Smith. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Hashem Asadolahi, with performances by Justin Morell and Josh Deutsch. Cover art by Christine Barcelona. Epic is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Faith McQuinn. Audio editing and original theme by Sam Bagala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Epic by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. <laughs>